All right. John chapter 21. We turn 21 today. <laughs> Last chapter. Um, love Gospel of John. So as we wrap up Gospel of John, chap- you know, we're in chapter 21 here. Um, it almost seems like the Gospel of John ends in chapter 20. Um, if you kind of look look back a little bit, uh, you know, John really concludes it beautifully at the end of chapter 20. He says, you know, uh, many other signs Jesus did in the presence of the disciples, which were not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe, you know, that Jesus, the Messiah, is the Son of God, and that in believing in him, you may have life through his name. Uh, that's chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. So it kind of kind almost seems like a beautiful way to just wrap the whole thing up, you know. Um, it seems like a very logical end to the book. Um, uh, you know, Jesus did a lot of other things, but, you know, I didn't uh, write them in, but I wrote these things that you may believe that he is the Messiah, you know. You know, and um, chapter 21, it's almost as if it were like an appendix to the Gospel of John, so to speak, you know. It's almost as though John wrote this later and added it. I'm not saying he did, but it, it would almost seem like that, you know. It just the way it's written and the way chapter 20 ends, you know. It's like one last little encore almost. Um, so last week, I believe we started chapter or 21, and um, we read about where Jesus appears to his disciples uh, for the third time uh since his resurrection. So tonight, we're going to focus uh, on verses 15 all the way to the end of the chapter. And what's going to happen here is uh, Peter is going to be restored by Jesus in this section that we're going to read. And, uh, you know, Peter had denied his Lord, and he probably still felt like he had failed his Lord at this point. You know, um, it's kind of funny, or last time I think I did this, we kind of covered that part. So for me personally, it was like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> like the, the, the failure of Peter and then the restoration of Peter, you know, I think there's a lot, lot to be uh, read here. Um, so then let's just start with verse uh, 15 through 18 as our first little section. Uh, it says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, uh, Simon, son of Jonah, Do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. Uh, He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. So then he says a third time, uh, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved this time because he said to him, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Uh, This he spoke, signifying by white death, he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. So... Um, you know, they've eaten kind of a cool little setup, you know, that Jesus had for them set up there, you know, and, and, um, 
after they were done eating, Jesus says to Simon, you know, do you love me more than these? Uh, when Jesus uses the word love here, he's using the word agape. Uh, so the word agape or agapas, uh, it's a love that's within the realm of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's, it's the deepest love that a man or a woman can know. It is, it is really, uh, a true love. Um, a person can only have this kind of love if he or she is born again, you know, uh, the, the, the nature of that love. Um, the shallowest love is probably love on the physical level, you know, and then in the Greek it's called eros and, uh, you know, that's the thing, probably our entertainment industry, you know, everything, you know, plays up so much. Um, you get, you know, the word erotic from it. But it's basically all about love on the physical level, the sensual. You know, that's what it's about. Um, what's in it for me, you know, is basically that type of love. Is there a fire? <laughs> Everybody says... Um, you know, you like a guy or a girl or whatever, you know, because they're cute. Uh, you know, it's based on the outside, the physical, what you feel in the moment, you know. That's the most shallow type of love. Uh, uh, it's not the truest form of love. Um, surely it's, you know, a very uh, self-satisfying. Uh, and for the person, you know, who's involved in that kind of a relationship, you know, and really is at the time thinking only of the physical aspects of the relationship, you know. Uh, and, and the satisfaction that I'm getting from the relationship, you know, and, and, uh, and very often it, it's not really a genuine love for the other person very often, uh, because, uh, like we said, it's only a, a self gratifying kind of love. It's because what does this do for me? You know, um, not saying it's bad, a bad kind of love. It's just the most shallow, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the one with the least substance, um, there's another kind of love in, in the scriptures that we read, uh, phileo. That's an emotional kind of love. Uh, it could be a brotherly love, you know, like you would have for your friend or what whatnot. Um, it, it's deeper than the word eros. Um, we get the word Philadelphia, you know, from two Greek words, phileo and uh, adelphos, which is brother. You know, city of brotherly love. Uh, Philadelphia, where you know where Rocky's from, you're we're all familiar. <laughs> uh, but it's love on a more emotional level, um, and and it's kind of a give and take. You know, it's a mutual kind of benefit from a friendship. You know that you may have with somebody. Uh, you know, I I love you, brother. You know, because you know we just kind of love each other, and and we like hanging out and what what not. You know, you like doing this and I like doing that and we kind of like doing the same thing together. And, you know, we like this kind of music or whatever it may be. Um, and we can share and appreciate. It's kind of a give and take sort of thing, you know. Um, so that's another type of love. Um, but when you get into agape, uh, this love becomes a giving love. You know, it's a different kind of love all around together. Um, it's more interested in the giving aspect than the receiving aspect. That's the nature of this love. Um, in fact, it gives without really expecting to receive anything in return. Uh, 
it continues to give even if it doesn't receive. You know, uh, and and this is the deepest form of love. It's the love that is described of God that God has for us. Uh, God so loved the world. There's that word, you know, agape. Uh, God's love for the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That's the ultimate form of giving there. And not everyone receives, you know, that gift. So God doesn't receive the love in return all the time, but yet He still gives His love for the whole world. So that's really the essence of the nature of agape. Um, Now, the word agape uh, in in the classical Greek was almost unknown at the time. Uh, You know, they knew about other kinds of love, uh, natural affection, like for family, uh, uh, sturgio, uh, eros, phileo. They knew all the other kinds of loves. Uh, in fact, you know, Cupid was the god of, of love, of Eros. You know, don't get shot by him. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, what rhymes with Cupid? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but they knew very little bit about agape. They didn't really know what that was. Um, in fact, it's a word that was almost coined by the New Testament for the New Testament. Um, a word that was developed to separate this kind of love because it's different and it exceeds all other kinds of loves uh, on, on every level. Uh, you know, whenever a new word is introduced into a language, uh, that word has to be defined, you know, when, when a word is introduced, uh, so that when a person uses it, you know what they're talking about. Um, and there's two places in the New Testament where the word agape is, is defined for us in order that we might understand just the nature of the the characteristics of of God's agape love. Uh, One of those examples is in 1 Corinthians uh, 13, uh, 4 through 8. And here, uh, Paul says, uh, you know, love suffers long, it is kind, love does not envy. This is agape love. Love does not parade itself, it is not puffed up. Uh, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, uh, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, uh, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Uh, Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, these will fail. Whether there are tongues, these will cease. And where there is knowledge, these will vanish away. Um, So that's kind of one definition of, of... God's agape love to help us understand the nature of it. Um, there's another in, in Galatians 5.22 where um, he says, you know, the fruit of the Spirit in your life, if, you know, your life is filled with the Spirit, uh, there's going to be fruit, and the result is going to be agape. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is, um, is love. And then he follows that, yeah, with joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, self-control. These are all characteristics of agape love. You know, they kind of all branch out of agape. You know, uh, love is the main first ingredient. You know, you go to the store and you buy some food and you kind of want to know what the main ingredient is in there. What am I going to be eating most of? And you look at the first ingredient listed. (laughs) That's agape. You know, that's the first ingredient listed. Um, you know, and um, you can't have all the other characteristics listed without God's agape love. You know, you can't have 
God's joy, God's peace, God's love, uh, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. Um, and this is the kind of love that Jesus taught that his disciples should have. Um, this is the kind of love that uh, Jesus has where he was willing to give of himself for us. Um, it's the kind of love that he desires from us, that selfless kind of a giving love. Um, so, so he asks Peter, in, in the verse we just read, uh, do you love me more than these? Uh, or is your love for me the supreme love of your life? You know, the number one love, the first ingredient, you know? Um, and, you know, that that's really, I, I believe, what Jesus is wanting to know from you and from me, you know? Uh, is is our love for him the supreme love of our lives, you know? Uh, or are there other things that we love more, you know, that fall in those categories maybe higher than him? Um, in the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, uh, the first one is, "We shall have, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Um, you know, and a good question to ask ourselves, you know, is, are there gods, you know, are there loves, are there other interests in our lives uh, that take place over our interest in God or in our relationship with God? And this is a question for all of us, starting with myself, you know, uh, from time to time, you know, other things through life, some kind of can get in the way sometimes, you know, other interests and things. And, and God wants him to be the number one top interest in our lives. Um You know, is God first? Everything else will come and go, but nothing really else matters as much, really, in the light of eternity as our relationship with God. Uh, and that's what Jesus is asking here. You know, he's asking Peter that. Are you no, Am I number one in your life? Um, you know, when Jesus was questioned about the greatest commandment, he quoted out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, he says, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Um, and then Jesus added, the second is also like the first. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, these two are the law and the prophets. Uh, Matthew 22. Um, and he used the word agape to translate the Hebrew into the Greek and and that is for our love for God to be supreme, like we said, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might. Um, you know, our, our love for God to succeed all other loves. So Jesus is saying, uh, Peter, do you love me supremely? You know, do you love me more than these, more than the old life of fishing? Um, you know, at this time, uh, as you remember from last week with that big catch of fish, uh you know, the fish were probably still kind of, you know, moving in, on, in the shore, you know, because the nets were full of fish. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it really represented the success of the career that Peter had been following prior to meeting Jesus. Uh, you know, and he's basically saying, is this more important to you? Do you love me more than these, Peter? You know, um, and Jesus talks about the sacrifice of following him, you know, uh, in the Gospels, how no man has given up houses or homes, family for my sake and for the Gospels, you know. Um, and, and I mean, the reality is Christ, following Christ does not come without a cost in some way or another. Um, 
you know, and I think a big problem today with us as Christians, and I'm speaking for myself, is, is taking up that cross, you know, dying to self and following him. You know, it's not really a hot idea uh, among most, you know. So uh, sometimes even in, in Christianity, we'll try to make it attractive or whatever, but uh, without the sacrifice, but, you know, dying to self, that's, it's picking up our cross and following him daily, you know. Um, like what's his name? He's, uh, he's taught here before, uh, Dr. Justin Alfred, he would talk about the Bowflex ads, you know, Bowflex Christianity, that kind of idea, <laughs> you know, and that's what, and, and just in general, that's our human nature. We want the result, but we don't want the, the suffering, you know, we don't want the, yeah, you know, uh, I'll gain no pain, <laughs> you know, that's, <laughs> I'll be the first to admit that's, hey, that sounds good, <laughs> you know. But Matthew chapter 16, he says, if a man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross and follow. Um, uh, you know, he doesn't want part of our love, you know, part of our heart. He doesn't want, yeah, part of our life. You know, he wants all of it. Um, he wants all of us, everything about us. Um so he's saying, you know, do you love me more than these? And the question is, what are the, the these in our lives? You know, for Peter, it was the fish, you know, his former career before he followed Jesus. And question for us, what is what are the these in our lives? Uh, what are the things that are fighting for our attention in our hearts and for our love for Jesus? You know, um, do these things exceed our love for Jesus or is our love for him uh, above the other loves in our lives? You know. And that's really what he desires. You know, we have other loves in our lives. There's nothing wrong with that, but is his supreme, the love for him. Um, <clears throat> Jesus says in John fourteen twenty one to the disciples at the Last Supper, he that uh, has my commandments, that hears them and keeps them, is he that loves me. You know, and, um, you know, in other words, our love for Jesus is proved really by our obedience to him, keeping his commandments. And his commandments really are that we love one another. You know, once again, it just kind of comes full circle. Uh, this is my commandment that you, in John 15, he says that uh, you love one another as I have loved you. Uh, so he's saying, uh, so do you love me, Peter, you know, more than these? Is your love for me supreme? And, and you know, Peter you probably wasn't really keeping the Lord's commandment when he says, you know, I'm going fishing, you know, I'm going back to, to the old way of life, you know, uh, you know, when they had back in, in, I think it's Luke chapter five, caught all those fish. Um, they got to the shore after this catch and you know, the boats were just to the limit. And Jesus says to him, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And, and in Luke, it says that they left their nets and they followed him. And at this point, Peter's kind of going back to the nets. You know, he left the nets and now he's kind of going back. Um, there's something there maybe that's still attractive to him. And that's why he asks Peter, do you love me more than these? You know, Jesus doesn't ask us these questions for no reason, you know. Um, so, you know, Peter here, um, he's kind of caught in a position where he couldn't really say, yes, Lord, I mean, I love you supremely uh, because his, his, his actions at this point didn't really declare that. Um, you know, so instead of using the word agape in responding to Jesus, he says, uh, 
the the real word he uses is, Lord, you know all things. You know that I am fond of you. You know, in verse 15. You know, he's using that word, yeah, uh, phileo. I admire you. I respect you. As You know, uh, I'm very fond of you. But, you know, if you're asking someone if they really love you, you know, if you're trying to get that out from somebody, uh, you really don't want them to just be fond of you. You know, if you're trying to ask somebody, well, you know, do you love me or what? You know, um, you know, you don't want them to say, well, I think you're a nice guy or a nice girl or whatever. You know, let's just be friends. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? When somebody's asking somebody that question, you know, what they want to hear is that the other person loves them. Like yeah, exactly. Sure, sure. Yes, yes. And, and you know, you want to hear those words, you know, I love you or whatever. You know, that's what people desire to hear when they ask the other person that, you know. And and this is a uh, a different kind of love Jesus is looking for, but it's kind of the same idea. You know, Jesus says to Peter, do you love me more than these? And, and, and Jesus says to Peter in verse 15, uh, feed my lambs. The word uh, feed here in the Greek, uh, it's actually more than just feeding. It's it's actually tending, watching over uh, in verse 15. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, in other words, if you love me, Peter, um, you know, you're not to fish for the rest of your life. Uh, if you love me, my commandment is that you take care of these lambs and tend for my lambs. Uh Notice he didn't say, take care of your lambs. You know, they're not Peter's lambs. They're the Lord's lambs, you know. Uh, and it's kind of interesting. In, in Peter's first epistle, in chapter 5, uh, as he's writing to the elders of the church, he says, shepherd, and he's using that same word that Jesus uses here, the flock of God which is among you as, you know, overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. And, and so forth. So Peter uses that same word that Jesus asked him and used way back here, uh, watching over them, tending for them, taking care of them. Uh, and, you know, that is really the duty of, of a pastor of a church, you know, the, the shepherding. Uh, the feeding is a part of it, but that's not all. Um, it's tending for them. It's nurturing them. It's watching over them. Um, so he says to him a second time in verse 16, um, Simon, son of Jonah, do you, uh, do you love me? Again, he's using that word agape. He's kind of prying at Peter's heart here, trying to get a feel for where he's coming from. And in verse 16, Peter says, uh, yes, Lord, you know that I'm, I love you. But he's again using that word uh, phileo, I'm fond of you. I admire you, a lesser degree of love, you know. Um, so then Jesus says in verse 16, feed my sheep. The first word that that uh, Jesus uses when he says feed, it's actually different than the word he uses here. Um this word here is is the word shepherd over the sheep, you know, and it's the idea, like we said, feeding as a shepherd, leading them into the green grass and, and so forth. Um, so then he says to them a third time in verse 17, 
Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? But he's really saying, Simon, are you fond of me at this point? Um, he's using the word phileo now to Peter. And that's why it says that Peter was grieved because Jesus said, are you fond of me? You know, uh, Jesus was no longer asking, do you love me with this divine supreme love? Uh, he's now basically saying, where do I fit in Peter in this category? You know, uh, do you love me more than these? You know, and, and, uh, and and he's asking now, Peter, are you fond of me? Where do I fit in? Um, how far down the list of interests and loves of your life is is where is is me? You know, where do I fit in here? You know, are you simply fond of me? Do you re- admire me? And it grieved Peter that Jesus uses that word phileo. That's why it says that there. Um, and he says in verse seventeen. Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you or that I am fond of you. He never really rises to that word agape. Um, he does in his epistles, you know, and that comes later in his life after he was anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, and then he was able to now love with that love, that divine love, you know. But at this point in his life, Peter could not commit to that total love, that complete love for his Lord, Uh all he could commit to was admiring his Lord or being fond of his Lord, but, but nothing really beyond that. Um, so Jesus comes down to Peter's level uh, because Peter could not rise to the Lord's level here. And, um, you know, that's always sad, you know, when we have to bring the Lord down to our level rather than rising to his, you know, so to speak. You know, when I force... I have to kind of bring down the standard here. And, and the Lord always desires to lift us to the highest level, really, of love. You know, he's not satisfied until our cup is overflowing, you know, and, and until our life has experienced that total richness and fullness that he wants us to have. You know, <laughs> that, that, that's it. You know, uh, the glory of just living in him, you know, having fellowship with him. That's what he desires. Uh, and it's it is sad, you know, when we, uh, we, you know, through compromise, sometimes we're satisfied with a lower level uh, of living in a lower relationship with Him than than a total relationship. You know, so whether I, you know, everybody's different, but sometimes, you know, our relationship with God just kind of is a social thing. You know, we come to church, or sometimes, you know, well, my parents bring me to church or whatever, and it's just kind of a social thing. But there's not that total relationship. Um, so then Jesus says in verse 17, uh, feed, uh, tend my sheep. Uh, he's going back to the first word that he used, which is nurture, take care of the sheep, look after them. Uh, and then in verse 18, he says, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger and you girded yourself and walked where you wished, uh, but now you are old, when you are old, you will stretch your hands out and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. You know, um, John tells us that Jesus was signifying the death that Peter was going to die. Uh, in verse 19, it says that. Um, he's signifying that Jesus, uh, Peter's arms would be stretched out on a cross. Um, and, and Peter would die as did uh, the Lord in, in, you know, by, by way of crucifixion. 
Yeah, and we are told uh, that when Peter was in Rome, that he was sentenced to death and they wanted to crucify him. And he requested that he be crucified upside down uh, because he said he was not worthy to be crucified the same way as his Lord. You know, so tradition has it that Peter was crucified in Rome upside down. And that's what Jesus is referring to here. Um, You know, it's interesting that Jesus here at the beginning is telling Peter that the price is what the price is going to be to follow Jesus. He's telling it from the get-go at this point, you know. Um, You know, feed the sheep, take care of the flock of God, but he's saying, Peter, it's going to cost you your life. They're going to crucify you one day, you know. Um, You know, and it's interesting when, when God met Paul on the road to Damascus, uh, the Lord told Ananias that he had revealed unto Paul all the things he was going to suffer for Christ's sake. You know, we read about that as well. Uh, that's when the Lord had called Paul to ministry on the road to Damascus. You know, when the Lord stops him and he says, you know, uh, uh, he says, who art thou, Lord, that I might serve thee? And and he says, I am Jesus of Nazareth. It is hard for you to kick against the goads and so forth. Um, and then Paul says, what, well, what do you have me to do, Lord? And, and he's submitting himself and then the Lord told Paul all of the things he was going to suffer in Acts chapter 9. Um, the Lord kind of lays it out straight you know, for, for these individuals. Uh, you know, he doesn't say, you know, if you follow me, your life's just going to be easy street, you know, from here on. You know, and you're just going to enter into, you know, no problems, no worries, you know, akuna matata, <laughs> you know, from here on out. He, he doesn't say that, you know, uh, Rather, the Lord's saying it's, it's going to be a rough road. You know, uh, They're going to hate you. The world's going to hate you. He says, they hated me, but you're not greater than your Lord. You're going to be persecuted for my sake, uh, brought into prison, you know, brought to death for some. Even your own families will turn against you. you know, he lays it out straight, the things that it's going to cost to follow Jesus. You know? um, but you know, that makes are following him that much more meaningful, you know, when you really think about it. You know, it really proves our love for him, you know, when you think about it. Uh, The fact that we're willing to experience difficulty, hardship, in order to hold on and have that relationship with with him. Uh, It kind of cements that love relationship that we have with God. You know, he suffered for us so much, the least we can do, if need be, is is, is to suffer for him as well. you know, sort of like like Job when he says, "Even though he slay me, yet I will still serve him." Job chapter thirteen. You know, that's that's a tough one. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm reading it, but I'm not saying it's easy. <laughs> I read, it, I'm like, dang, I don't know, man. <laughs> you know, sometimes you know when you, <laughs> you know, it it really makes you think and and, and have to count the cost. Um, you know, as and and as with many of the disciples. Uh, found the words of Jesus a little too much, you know, and it says that they turned and they didn't follow him anymore. You know, they just, I can't take that, you know, forget that. Um, And it says in in John chapter six, Peter and the rest of the gang were standing there and he, Jesus says, are you guys going to go too, like everybody else? And Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you alone have the words of eternal life, you know? It's not. It isn't easy, but when you consider the alternative, there's not much of a choice, you know. 
who are, where are we going to go? You know, you have the words of eternal life, you know. <laughs> so, you know, he tells Peter by what death he was going to glorify God, you know, and, and in verse 19. And then at the end of all that, he says to him, follow me, you know, and, you know, powerful stuff. Um, you know, this is what's going to happen to you, Peter, but follow me. You know, notice it says by what death you would glorify God. Uh, like we said, um, Paul, the apostle at one point says that he desired that God would be glorified in his body, whether by life or by death, you know, uh, and, and Paul was saying, you know, my one goal, my one desire, my one ambition is that God may be glorified through my life, whether it's while I'm living or, or if they kill me, <laughs> you know, the goal is to glorify God, you know. Uh, and if he can be glorified in my death, you know, then so be it, you know, great. Or in my life, great. It doesn't matter, you know. All, Paul was saying all that matters is that God was glorified through me. Uh, so now, <clears throat> excuse me, John uh, is closing up his book here with some really uh, interesting statements uh, that he makes regarding Jesus and the things he does on earth. Uh, verses 20 through 25, we'll just finish up there. It says, when Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, uh, following who also had leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, who is the one that betrays you? Peter seeing this said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. You know, then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You know, uh, so, you know, like we said, Peter turns around and, and well, what about him? <laughs> you know, you're telling me this. What about this guy? The the disciple that Jesus loved, uh, John. Uh And then, uh, uh, you know, and then the way Jesus replies to him, in other words, he's saying, you know, don't worry about what the Lord's going to do with the guy next to you. <laughs> you know, uh, don't be concerned with what God has called. Just be concerned with what God has called you and I to and, and, and to do. Uh, you know, like we said, Peter's saying, what about him? And Jesus is basically saying, it's none of your business. <laughs> you know, frankly, I'm talking about you and your commitment at this point. You know, uh, and the, that's and that's cool because the Lord always deals with us on a personal basis. That's what it shows. You know, he's interested in you. He's interested in me. You know, he's not interested in, I don't know, a statistic, you know, of people, group of people. He's he's interested in you and me individually. And that's why God always deals with us on a, on a, you and me on a personal basis. Um, and, and so Jesus says, uh, you know, if I will that he lives till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Uh, I'll take care of it, John. But it, in the meantime, you follow me. <laughs> you know, so it's that the saying went around that, that um, yeah, that John wouldn't die or the Lord would come back before John died. And that's not really what he's saying. He was just basically saying, well, if that were to happen, what, what's it to you? You know, Um. 
this is the disciple which uh, it says in verse 24 uh, testified of these things and wrote these things and we know that his testimony is true. Uh, so John, the author of this book, is basically saying, I was there, I was a witness, uh, I know what I saw and I'm telling you the truth, is what he's saying as he's wrapping this up. Um, and then verse 25 says, and there are many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain all the books that would be written. Amen. You know, crazy. <laughs> it's wild, man. And, and uh you know, John is saying Jesus did a lot of other things that I didn't write about. You know, that's the director's cut, <laughs> no, the deleted scenes. No. Uh, he chose and selected a few things, though, in order that by reading them, you and I would believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Interesting that there's a lot of aspects about the life of Jesus that wasn't recorded. Um, you know, in those days, the arts, you know, were highly developed and the Greeks had, you know, many marble statues of, of famous people at the time. Uh, you know, they had the busts and the statues, you know, Alexander the Great. Uh, so we have kind of a good example of what Alexander looked like, you know. Uh, and plus, there's a lot of descriptions about Alexander the Great. You know, he had blonde hair or whatever, you know, things of that nature. Uh, but it's interesting that there really was no physical descriptions of Jesus, you know, nor do we have any, you know, paintings or, you know, any busts or sculptures or anything of him. Uh, you know, there are a lot of things that could have been written about him, but were not. Uh, enough was written in order for you to know that Jesus Christ is the son of God is what John is saying. You know, he is, um, you know, the promised Messiah and that through him believing in him, we may have eternal life. You know, all that's necessary for eternal life and for godliness is what has been written. Um, and then like we see, he goes on to say, like we just read, if, you know, if everything had been written, there wouldn't be enough libraries in the world, John tells us. You know, not even enough hard drives, I would imagine. <laughs> you know, um, so just enough, you know, that you and I can know and we can have eternal life through him. You know, and throughout all of eternity, the rest of the story, I'm sure, will be told, you know. Uh, God, through the ages to come, shall be revealing unto us, you know, the exceeding riches of his love and mercies towards us. And it's really going to take all eternity to know it all, you know, for us to know it all. Um, so enough is given, you know, to get us there. And once we're there, we'll have plenty of time to learn the rest, you know, uh, throughout eternity, God will be revealing, like we said, the exceeding riches of his love and grace towards us in Christ Jesus. So that wraps up the book of John. So let us pray. Lord, we just come before you again, Lord. And we do thank you, Lord, just for, uh, this wonderful book, Lord, that, that you have written for us, Lord, and that Lord, you did put just enough for us, Lord, to, to save us and to get us to that point where we, can have eternal life, Lord, and 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 we just thank you for that, Lord. We trust you with what you have given us, and 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 we thank you for what you've given us, Lord, in your word. We just lift all these things, Lord, the things we've learned over the past, over the summer, Lord, Gospel of John, that things would stick, Lord, things would retain in our minds and our hearts, Lord, as we live our everyday lives. And um, we lift the upcoming series too, Lord, for the men, for the women next week, Lord, that you would bless your word, Lord, as it's taught again this another year lord uh to the two different groups and 
And we just thank you, Lord. We pray all these things, Lord. Get us home safe in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.